Hello, everyone. There we go. Amen. Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. Amen. I was, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, this past week, I got an opportunity to, to be at camp, and it was just an, an unbelievable time. Uh, we had such a great time learning together, worshiping together. Um, Jim, Eric, uh, Fawn, Joel, McKamey, Katie, uh, and Anna all did a great job teaching. Um, I learned a ton. Um, skit night for me was obviously the best for those of you that were there. Skit night was definitely a good time. And I think everyone who was there learned that all of the Sycamore View interns are world-class dancers. Um, and so I'm sure you guys didn't actually know that. Um, <laughs> right now, I'll say that for the next sermon. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a fantastic week, and we had a, a wonderful time together. Um, and I, I just want to take a second and, and thank all of you. Um, you guys have made my time here so far um, absolutely wonderful. You guys have been so gracious and so kind to me, so encouraging. Uh, many of you have invited me over to your homes or taking me out to eat. Um, and I don't know if you know, but food is actually my love language. And so um, I've always been uh, grateful for that. And then I just have one quick thing before we dive into the text this morning together. Um, for the wave and dry toilet dispensers in the bathroom, there, there has to be a more efficient way. Because um, right now, I'm averaging 25 to 30 waves. And so if anyone knows uh, a much more efficient way, please let me know after church. Uh, but this morning, we're going we're gonna to dive in to Jonah. No pun intended. Uh, we're going to dive in. And, and, and this morning, I think we're, we find ourselves in a text um, that I think will speak to our hearts in a great way. This morning, we're going to be speaking about despair and hope. So if you would, please just pray with me quickly, and we'll, we'll jump in together. Uh, dear God, man, we are thankful for uh, this opportunity to come together to be with our family. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, may we trust that you are in control in the midst of chaos. Uh, Lord, this morning, uh, I ask that you bless the gap between what is said and what your people hear. And Lord, let only things that are of you shine through. Uh, minister to our hearts, Father. Encourage us. Remind us of who you are. Um, we love you. We need you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter... And, and Jonah chapter 2 is, is a prayer. Um, the heading for Jonah 2 is Jonah's prayer. And so we're going to look at just kind of five aspects that we find in this chapter, allow that to kind of be kind of a major outline that we will be able to walk through the, this book together, this chapter together. The first thing that we see in Jonah is Jonah's distress. Uh, Jonah is greatly distressed. He talks about his distress. And because he is distressed, this leads to Jonah's despair. So we're going to spend a little bit of time just kind of resting in despair, see what we can learn from it, see what the Lord has for us. And then Jonah's despair created a space for the Lord to discipline Jonah. So we're going to look at Jonah's discipline. And then while Jonah was being disciplined, some things came to mind, and he started to declare some things. And so we're going to look at the things that Jonah declared. And then finally, we're going to look at Jonah's deliverance. 
the distress of Jonah. And the, the scripture will be up on the board. If you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along there as well. This chapter starts off like this. It says, in my dis- distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I know you guys are much more mature Christians than I am. Uh, But for some reason, every time I thought about this story, every time I thought about Jonah jumping out of the boat and into the water, for some reason, I just assumed in my mind that the large fish was just there waiting for him to jump right in. But that wasn't the case at all. Jonah went into the water. And the current swirled about him. All of the waves swept over him. He was tossed to and fro. He didn't know which way was up or which way was down. He didn't know where the shore was. He didn't know if he would survive or if this would be the end. But he was being tossed back and fro. And maybe that's where some of our hearts are this morning. Maybe we feel like Jonah. Maybe we feel like we've just jumped out into the raging waters and we're cold and we're wet and we're confused and we're hurting. And we don't know what to do. But the beautiful thing about this is that we see that Jonah cried out to the Lord and the Lord listened to his cry in this place of despair. There's this passage in Psalms that I absolutely love that talks about distress in prayer and even mentions the seas and how the Lord controls all of it. So I just want to read that. Psalms 107, 23 through 30. And it likewise talks about some sailors. It says, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty water. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For God spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then... They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. It says they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. And this is the way our God works. I know I've been there. Days where, and I'm, I'm in the thick of it. I'm in despair. And I've seen the Lord do amazing things before, and that's what we see here. They had seen the wonderful deeds of the Lord, but as soon as the storm came, all of those things melted away. And all they could see, all they could focus on, all they could feel is the current storm that they were in. Maybe you're there this morning. But there's a word of encouragement there because God was using that to remind them of who he was. As soon as they cried out to the Lord from that place of despair, that's exactly the moment that God stilled the storm to a whisper and then guided them to exactly where they needed to be. 
But we know that the distress of Jonah led to his despair. He was going through it. And in Jonah chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we read a little bit about this. He says, the engulfing waters threatened me. He says, the deep surrounded me. He said, just so you know how bad it was, the seaweed was even wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. Jonah felt like maybe this won't ever end. Maybe I'll be here forever. Maybe God has forgotten about me. The only thing he knew for sure is that he was having a tough time. And he couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But in the kingdom of God, despair is often a good thing. It's reminding us of our own weaknesses. It's reminding us of our own limitations. It's inviting us to rely and trust on God once again. And so the despair of Jonah created this safe place for God to be able to discipline Jonah. So we want to talk a little bit about the discipline of Jonah. You see, the large fish was the place of Jonah's discipline and not the discipline itself. For so long I thought, man, God was just upset with Jonah, so he put him in this fish just to teach him a lesson. And I don't think that was the case at all. I think this large fish was simply the place that God wanted to deal with him. You see, God, for Jonah, stilled the storm to a whisper, brought him to a quiet place and says, now, now I can deal with your heart. So maybe some of us need to be in a quiet place with the Lord and allow him to discipline us, allow him to work on our hearts. And Jonah's discipline allowed him to remember the characteristics of God. In Jonah chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, he says this, But you, Lord my God, you brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Jonah remembered just who the Lord was and what the Lord had done for him. And he wasn't even talking about his whole life. He was talking about what just happened. He says, I was in the water. I thought I was going to die. This large fish was not the punishment of Jonah. It was how God was deciding to save Jonah. And now Jonah is crying out to God and saying, I am thankful. I remember what you just did for me. My life was ebbing away. I thought it was over. But you stepped in. And you did something for me. And I want you to see the Father's heart when it comes to his discipline. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 4 through 6, and it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens which simply means to correct through suffering everyone he accepts as a son. See, God's discipline is never for discipline's sake. It's because God is doing something 
through that process. And for Jonah, we can clearly see how God's discipline of Jonah allowed him to actually end up doing what God destined him to do in the first place. Now, some of you here this morning kind of know what discipline is, but sometimes it's hard for us to discern what is the Lord's discipline and maybe what is not. But I can't think of no better place to look to try to see maybe the sort of feelings and thoughts that the Lord discipline evokes. No better place than the book of Lamentations. And I, I love today that we sang songs of lament. I feel like sometimes we shy away from those things, but they're a very real part of the Christian's life. We have several psalms of lament. We have a whole book dedicated to lament. In the Lord, there is space. There is a place for us to lament. There is a place for us to wrestle with God. There is a place for us to question. It's the safest place in the world. Lamentations 3 kind of talks about it this, this way, some of the feelings that come up. It says, he has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. He has pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone. In all that I had hoped from the Lord, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. See, sometimes God decides to wall us in. He puts us down on the operating table and chains us in and says, you're not going anywhere. There's some things that I need to address. He says, don't worry, this, there's a safe place. This is a safe place. I'm going to take good care of you. But I'm going to weigh you down. And I'm going to cause you some grief. You may be in some pain. But God is working through that. And maybe this morning you feel like your peace, just like here, is gone. Like all the things that you had hoped for from the Lord are gone. And maybe it's your sin. Maybe you feel like, man, I've fallen too far away. I don't know how God could ever bring me back to the place where I should be. Or maybe it's just life situations where you see what's going on and you're trying to harmonize that with what you know to be true about God and it's difficult. And so you're trying to live in this tension, but you're not doing so good of a job at it. And so you find your soul being downcast. You find this heaviness of heart and you don't know how to lift it. You don't know how to get out of the pit. See, but there's good news. As I said before, discipline is never for discipline's sake. Discipline has a destination. God is using discipline not only just to inform us of who he is, but also to conform us to the image of his son. His discipline has a destination. Later on in that same passage in Lamentations 3, it says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail, they are new every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him oftentimes. 
the destination of discipline is surrender. Because when you surrender, God can take you wherever you need to be. But oftentimes, that's the hardest thing. See, for me personally, I I struggle. I like to see things. It's hard for me to walk by faith sometimes. I know I'm supposed to. Sometimes I struggle. And I wonder if all of his promises are true. I wonder if I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If I'm honest, sometimes that's far too often of a struggle for me. But in the kingdom of God, there's a place for that. There's a place to wrestle. There's a place to struggle. And Jonah ended up coming to his destination. He says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Jonah decided to surrender. And when he decided to surrender, Jonah made a declaration. Something was growing in his heart to the point that he had to communicate it. We find it in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. See, Jonah got to that place. I think he realized, much like Kevin Durant, if you can't beat him, you better join him. So he got to that place where he says, man, I can't go anymore. This isn't working for me. I've tried everything. I've tried running in the opposite direction. God has a plan, and he knew that plan was going to be accomplished. So he realized the best thing I can do is to surrender and then declare that I am going to make good on everything that I have vowed. And as soon as he made this declaration, as soon as he said, you know what? I'm going to make good on what I vowed, and I know that salvation belongs to the Lord. As soon as that happened, we see Jonah's deliverance. In Jonah 2.10, which is the last verse in this chapter, he says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. See, God's discipline has a destination, and as soon as you reach it, he won't hold you there any longer than you need to be. The Lord waited for his heart to come around, but as soon as it did, he says, okay, that's what I've been waiting for, Now let's get busy. Let's do what I've wanted to do all along. And all of a sudden, you start to see the Father's heart. How he's patient, how he's gracious, how he willingly works through brokenness. Now, some of us this morning just need a word of hope. I know my heart does. And so we go back to that same passage in Lamentations 3. It says this. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. 
Well, Armani, it's always been this way, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Man, I've been running for a while now, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Armani, it feels like I've been walking in darkness, and my heart is heavy, and I don't see how all of this could be working out for my good, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever, though he brings grief, and he does, and he allows it. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. And I'm so thankful for the times that God brought grief to my heart. I don't know where I would be without those moments of sorrow, without those moments of deep grief. I remember the bitterness and the gall, the times where I could hardly breathe, where sleep was hard to come by, where my appetite was nowhere to be found. I remember these moments. But in all of these moments, they're all eclipsed by the glory and the grace and the wonder and the kindness of the Lord. And I look back on some of the things that the Lord has brought me through, and I don't just say it in the hopes that I believe it. I've lived it, and so I know for no one is cast off by the Lord forever, though he brings grief. He will show compassion. Now, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. See, if I truly believe that there are some in this room right now, and I think this is your word, some of you have been running from God, and you know exactly how. You're stuck in persistent sin, and you don't know how to get out. You've tried. You're sincere about it. But it's gotten to the point where you don't see how you can ever get out. And so you've kind of given up. And in a way, you're running from God. Or some of you, maybe at this point, just don't really want to stop running. I don't know how to. If that's you this morning, this is my challenge. Much like Jonah, make good on your vows. That's all that the Lord wants. Allow your heart to declare that and trust that in your sincerity, the Lord, through his spirit and through his kindness, will help you make good on your vows. And I know that's easier said than done. But now's as good as time as ever. See, the reason why we're studying Jonah is because we're like Jonah. Because we often run away from the call of God in our life. But we have a God who willingly interrupts us in order to grab our attention, to reroute us back to where we need to be. So it's okay if you've been running. That's not the final word. But let's learn from Jonah. And let's be reminded of the Father's heart. So if that's you this morning, I think that's the challenge. That's the encouragement. Make good on your vows. And now there's others of you this morning, and you really haven't been running. The Lord has been strengthening you and 
and, and you find yourself in a, a pretty good place. But this morning, you find that your heart is in despair. You find that there's some things that you're struggling to hope in. There's some things that you're struggling to believe. If that's you this morning, if your heart is heavy and you're really wondering, Lord, how will you work this out for our good? And you're struggling to believe that. Vow to trust that he is in control in the midst of chaos. How many of us actually believe that everything that is happening, that God says, yeah, I'm going to work that out too. So that at the very end of this thing, we'll be more than conquerors. What does it mean to be more than conquerors? What does it mean to be more than conquerors? I remember last summer I had read that passage, and, and I, I kept praying. I said, Lord, what, what does it mean to be more than conquerors? Like, what does it mean to more than win? But that's the promise. God says at the end of this thing, we know how the story ends. He says, you will be more than conquerors. And God gave me this image while I was just sitting on the couch. I was sitting there, and I was kind of praying through this passage, and all of a sudden, God just dropped me an image. And it's not the thing. I think it's just a picture to help describe it to me. And if it doesn't help, drop it, as I always say. If it does, praise God. God showed me a football game, of all things. And maybe because he knows I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, he, on one side of the field was the Buffalo Bills, and on the other side of the field, it was the New England Patriots. I don't like the New England Patriots. <clears throat> and the Buffalo Bills, surprise, surprise, were losing. And they were getting destroyed and into the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter. And it seems like the New England Patriots are just running up the score and looks like the game is over. But there's this guy on the Bills. He's the MVP of the league. He created the league. They call him Jesus. And we keep looking at him. He keeps saying, don't, don't worry, we're going to win this thing. And you're looking at him, you're looking up at the scoreboard, and you see the time dwindling down. You see the Patriots fans celebrating, and you say, are you sure? It doesn't look like we're going to win this thing. How, how are we going to win this thing? We don't even have enough time to score enough points that we need in order to even send it into overtime. How are we going to win? So the game keeps being played, and time keeps dwindling down, and the league keeps getting larger and larger. With a few seconds left, you look at Jesus, and when you look back up at the scoreboard as time expires, you look, and somehow the score is in your favor. You've won the game. And you're confused because you don't know how it happened, but you're elated because you've won the game. And then what the Lord showed me next, I think, gave me a small picture into what it means to be more than conquerors. All of a sudden, all of the Patriots fans and all of the Patriot players started to take off their jerseys, started to take off their helmets and pads, 
and everything put on a Bills jersey and everything put on a Bills helmet. And all of a sudden, you couldn't tell what was once a Patriots fan and what is now a Bills fan. Everything was made new. Everyone was on the same page. And I think that's what it means to be more than conquerors. It's not just that God is going to win. It's that in the process of winning, he is going to renew everything. And so that's a word of hope for us this morning. Please trust, even when you can't see it, that God is in control of the chaos and that he will make us more than conquerors. And then finally, just a gentle reminder that God is good to those whose hope is in him. So hope in him. It doesn't mean you'll see it today. But the promise is God is good to those whose hope is in him. It's good. And then finally, God's compassions never fail. And I've always heard that phrase, but when I really sat with it, I think I started to realize what it, it meant. Much like how the word of God, when it goes out, never returns to him void. When God decides, hey, I'm going to be compassionate here, it accomplishes what it set out to do. See, Jonah probably should have been swept away in those waters, and he probably should have drowned. But God showed compassion, and his compassions never fail. And so we end up seeing Jonah do what he declared he wasn't going to do. The fact that we are in here this morning, broken people with sin in our lives, with hearts that don't really trust the Lord as often as we should. The fact that we are here, we are testaments that God is showing us compassion, and that's good news because God's compassions never fail. So if you are a recipient of compassion, please know that even if you can't see it right now, God is accomplishing what he set out to do in your life. For what God began, he is faithful to complete. No one is too far gone. You can run to Tarshish all you want. When God says, I'm going to show you compassion, I promise you, you will end up in Nineveh. So this morning, as we invite our, our elders up, for those of you who need prayer, if you want to make today that day where you want to make good on your vows to the Lord, you're saying, Lord, I know I've been running, but I see your heart, and I want what you have for me. And if you just want prayer as you try to walk faithfully in keeping your vows. There will be a place for you to pray. And for those of you this morning whose hearts are heavy and you're really struggling to see how God is winning, this is also a place for you. Guys, we're going to stand together now and we're going to sing.